welcome, friends, to this week's edition of the Truth to Power Happy Hour on Forward Radio, your community radio station, broadcasting here from the historic Hayburn Building at 106.5 FM and live streaming to the world at forwardradio.org. My name is Justin Mogg. I'm one of your hosts here. I'm a programmer on the station with Sustainability Now, uh, and we try and gather folks around the microphones for important community conversations at the end of another work week, a recording here on Friday after work. I hope you got a stiff drink today because we are going to be talking... (laughs) about the land development code reform process it believe me folks it can be dry but we are going to try and make it not dry i've got some very very active uh, citizens with me in the virtual studio today who've been involved in this reform process and are participating in it and they're, they're part of a newly formed citizens coalition for land development code reform and so i'm excited to get their voices on the air to talk about this important issue that that really defines our city in so many ways, the Land Development Code. So stay tuned, folks. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce you all to someone I've had the pleasure of having on my show talking about urban agriculture. Letitia Marshall from out in Shively is joining us back again on Forward Radio. Hey, Letitia. Hey, Justin. What's up? Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you again. (laughs) Are Are you starting your seeds and everything already? Oh my gosh, yes, you know it. <laughs> I, I knew you would be out in the dirt already. Me oh, too. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's planting time. It is planting time. It yes. is planting time. Nice <laughs> sunny day like this. <laughs> I'm also excited to have a resident of Russell with us. Catherine is here. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much. Hello, hello on this beautiful day. Oh, I know. She's joining us from outside. Now, that's nice when you can be on the radio and be outside at the same time. (laughs) And joining us from Irish Hill tonight is Lisa Santos. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you all here. So please bring our listeners up to speed. Um, First of all, what is the Land Development Code and what is this reform process that's happening right now? Yeah, so, you know, Land Development Code, uh, my first thought when I heard those words was, oh, my gosh, that's not sexy at all. (laughs) I am not dressed appropriately for this. Land Development Code, how boring. And then someone had a nerve to invite me to a group (laughs) full of people who wanted to talk about it. All right. um, And then, but you know what, when I tell you, probably 10 minutes into that meeting, I was like, whoa. There's a lot here. (laughs) This is serious (laughs) stuff. And these people are incredibly passionate about their neighborhoods, about where they live, about the city. I mean, like, I could just feel all of that energy. And (laughs) so I was immediately, almost in tears, by the end, I was just like, oh, my God, like, in all different ages, people mm. come from all different neighborhoods in Louisville Metro. It wasn't just one type of person, if that makes any sense at all. Um, my goodness. So mm. I forgot your initial question, but I was just blown away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back to me. Like all those emotions are coming back right now. So so I'm yeah. just trying to get, frame it for our listeners. What is the land development code? And then, and then we the could talk about the code. Yeah, Lisa, product. take a shot at that if you don't mind. 
I'll give it a try. Um, it, it's hard for, cause we're all lay people who have kind of been exactly. uh, forged in the fire of, of trying to just be a regular citizen and deal <laughs> with it. But uh, when somebody wants to make a change in your neighborhood uh, or you want to make a change in your neighborhood, you are obliged to go by the land development code of Metro. And uh, it is sort of changed and morphed through the years. Um, um, but it, uh, some examples of things is if somebody, you know, it's whether you can put a transmission shop next to a house or mm. whether you, your neighbor can put in, uh, a pool that takes up the entire property or, mm. or, and, um, you know, development is great and there needs to be rules for it. But I think, uh, one of the reasons that our group started paying attention to some of the uh, city's efforts to reform in the name of racial equity is we felt like that they didn't really involve citizens in that, that maybe it was some policy wonks and some um, academics and right. uh, development prof professionals and then developers, <laughs> you know, which there's good development and there's good developers, but um what we would like to watch and, and somebody else can take over, you know, what the new land development code proposed changes, what's happening with that. But uh, I think our biggest concern is um, we want to make sure that we still have a voice yes. when something changes because, yes. you know, we, we love our neighborhoods and we moved here because of the way they were. And, uh, um, we just we just want to make sure that um, that doesn't get taken away. And and I just want to clarify for listeners too. We're we're not talking about like we want citizens to have a voice. Like I don't like Mister X, so I'm going to go after Mister X. We're talking about a citizen's voice in what defines our land development code, right? And when we say that, yeah. we're really talking about zoning, right? This is yes. this is about zoning and permitting. Like you have to get a permit to build something or to open a business. And so the city has rules about what can be built or developed where, what can happen with properties all around Jefferson County, right? And so what you're saying, I, what I hear you saying is that it, we want citizens to be at the table when we're defining what those rules are, Yes. Yes. And the, and the code is supposed to protect the residents and the citizens, right? It's, right. It's supposed to be there. And one of the biggest issues that we are seeing is that, you know, the codes are just not being enforced. And it oh. seems like, you know, not all developers. And again, development isn't bad. It's just it seems that they get to eat the buffet, right? They, um, and, and we get a bowl of peas, you know, it's like, what, what's going on? Like, well, I don't, don't understand, be uh, you know, why they get the biggest piece of the pie when this is about, you know, what is best for the neighborhood it's supposed to be and then protecting and keeping us safe um, as, as residents and our citizens. And so that, that's the issue, you know, and then yeah. if you, if you take us completely off the table um, and, you know, it's like what 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 what's what's happening? Mm -hmm. I thought I thought the city was supposed to, you know, work for us, mm. <laughs> um, and and you know, do they they were elected officials? You know, that are supposed to be elected to help us and keep our best interests in mind. Yeah. Um, at least part of, <laughs> I hope. 
Yeah. <laughs> Partly. So so it, it just feels like there's some kind of disconnect when you say, you know, we're going to reform the code, but here's our recommendations. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. You haven't given the community time to even swallow what you're trying to do mm, here, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we literally ask the city to slow down. <laughs> Put the brakes and, on. And the answer was, oh, well, the recommendations we're going to pre- present first are not that big. You know, these these are not that big of a, you know, it's not a big deal. Minor changes. They're not big changes. They're minor. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what if they're minor? I still want to know. And I want to have time to digest what you're doing or what you're recommending. Because it's not, it's not obvious. Everything's not obvious on the face of it. And, and there's a lot of complicated issues here. But one issue that's already been raised is racism. I'd love to pull Catherine into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, Catherine, you're in Russell. This is a neighborhood that has suffered from structural racism for as long as the city's been around. Well, not as long as the city, but a long, many decades, right? Uh, because of previous land development codes, basically, like former zoning and redlining, right? So this is official government policy that segregated people and kept development from happening in black in black and brown neighborhoods, right? So when we start talking about these rules, we're in a way, right, we're just talking about addressing structural racism, right? I would agree with that. Uh, my family has been in Russell since 1946, so oh, wow. this, are, this is our 75th year. My parents and my neighbors built the neighborhood, and, you know, some of the older generation has uh, died off. Now, my parents were s- subjected to redlining, and I'm the second generation subjected to redlining. I'm going to tell you why. Basically, my neighborhood is being saturated with illegal halfway houses. Mm. I have one right next door to me. It started in 2017, and it's still there. Now, you know, at one point, a local news station did a report about some of the things that were going on. And then the city decided, oh, we better come out (laughs) and take a look. And they said, hey, you all are in violation. You need to shut down. The guy didn't shut down, okay? So the citizens went before the Board of Zoning because he was asking for a conditional use permit. He was denied the permit. He didn't shut down. Wow. He did not. So then his attorney went before, uh, filed another, uh, he was looking for a non-conforming use permit. And basically it's a building, and he keeps coming back. He slices and dices the building, comes back with another proposal, another proposal, and another proposal. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, he's still there. He's still operating illegally. And we're in year number four. Okay. Wow. And the whole thing is the city will not enforce. So I've been told, well, we only have two people, you know, or they'll say, well, it's the time of COVID, whatever. Mm. And, and my whole thing is if this were not Chestnut Street, this were Cherokee Road, this guy would not have gotten past Four months, must less, right. much less four years. And the city cannot say they don't know he's there. They know he's there. So why do I say this is a second generation redlining for me? It has impacted my property values. In 2019, the property value administrator lowered my property value by $6,000. Wow. You know, they tell you, oh, you're supposed to, you know, acquire a home and build equity. 
my equity is being sucked away by the property value administrator, uh, administration. And the whole thing is, I looked at the reason that they gave for lowering my property value, and it said computer generated. So there's a computer somewhere in city government <laughs> that is taking away the equity in my home. That's why I say it's a second generation redlining. My home is the home that my parents bought, and basically they are devaluing my inheritance. They're taking away my equity. And let me give you an example. I have a friend in Portland, which is you know adjacent to the West End of Louisville. And when his mother had to go into a nursing home, they sold the house and put her in a nursing home. Well, because of what's been going on in my neighborhood, I didn't have that opportunity to, to sell my house, get the value out of it, mm. and put my father in a nursing home. So I took care of him right there. So basically, what my parents built and what my parents paid for is being devalued for me by the Property Value Administration. And I have a friend that lives in another area of town that has uh, a bunch of illegal halfway houses and they've devalued her property to the fact to the point now that her mortgage is underwater wow so anyway you know i've been accused of being you know not sympathetic to people who are down on their luck and that's not the case you know i'm trying to run my business out of my home and i cannot get the people that i serve to come to my office because of what's going on mm -hmm. and you know it's all kinds of things like food in my yard bagels in my yard cheerios on the sidewalk people coming in front of my house and laying down mm. we had one of the residents storing his liquor bottle in my in my water meter <laughs> and i think the reason they come over to my house is because they don't want to do it over there and i'm right next door so they come <laughs> over over to my house because it's out of the sight of the cameras so anyway, when you try to, well, for example, I was sitting on my porch uh, uh, one Sunday with my dog. I had just bathed her, and we sit out there while she dries off. Somebody came over and just laid down in front of my house, just laid mm. down. So I asked the guy to leave. He didn't want to leave. I mean, this kind of went on for a while. I mean, I, I was just going to enjoy a beautiful Sunday on my porch, mm -hmm. on the porch of my house, on my porch. The police call came, and... They said, well, we can't do anything. So then the guy went away and he came back. Police came again. They said they couldn't do anything. So then the guy says to me, well, will you call an ambulance for me? So I called an ambulance for him. But you know what? I talked to a friend of mine that lives in the highlands of Louisville. And she said the neighborhood, uh, neighborhood boy passed out in her yard because he got drunk. And the police came and took him to jail. <laughs> there are all kinds of inequities between what goes on in Russell and what goes on in the rest of Louisville. And let me tell you, the West End has all kinds of good people there. Yeah. But we are not getting support. Russell is my home. Russell is my home. Now, you know, some people will make the point that I have another home. And what happened there is when I became gainfully employed, um, I asserted my independence and I moved out of the house. <laughs> but I have never left Russell. You know, my parents were there. My brother was there. My dog was there. I'm there every day of the week. And like I said, I have clients all over the city and I wanted to build up my clientele in Russell 
But guess what? I can't do that. Yeah. I really, really can't do that. Do I, <laughs> Am I sympathetic to people down on their luck? Sure I am. There are people that will go to that to that house and they can't get, get help for whatever reason. They'll come over to my house. And, you know, I'll, I'll help them. You know, one lady, you know, was looking for money. Well, I didn't give her money. I gave her, I eat tuna for for lunch. So I gave her a packet of tuna and she said to me, is this cat food? And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> what I eat for lunch. So certainly, uh, certainly I'm not unsympathetic, but then, you know, you have one lady comes and sits in front of my house with a towel around her head. You know, why is she in front of my house? You know, why does my house not belong to me if mm. I'm the property owner and the taxpayer? Mm. I think what goes on next door needs to stay next door and it doesn't need to stay. It doesn't need to spill over. Basically, the quality of life has gone downhill. And when my father was still alive, you know, I said to the person, I said, well, you know, you really need security because I could see things that were going on over there. And they said, well, we can't afford it. I said, I'm your security. <laughs> uh, here I am taking care of an elderly man, a 98-year-old man who couldn't, couldn't, who couldn't walk, taking care of him in his own home. But I, I couldn't get any. I had to deal with whatever happened when right. that person went home. I had to deal with that myself. You know, and that's the other thing that really bothered me. I was told my father should move. Mm. Now, my father was 98 years old. <laughs> He's a World War II veteran. He's worked all of his life. Why can't he not spend his last days in his own home? I don't understand that. And I think that's disrespectful to our elderly no. residents. And it's disrespectful to Russell residents. Mm -hmm. um, whatever happened after the owner went home, I, I had to handle. I had to handle. And let me tell you, at one point, there was a house that we always thought was a uh, meth house. Well, about two o'clock in the morning, that house went up in flames. And the flames were so intense that it that it burned the houses on either side. Wow. So you so basically three houses got burned out. Wow. Well, the whole thing is, you know, my father could not walk. So. Anyway, I might have been able to run out of the house. Mm. My dog probably could run out of the house. But if it had been right next door to me instead of three or four houses down, I'm not sure I could have gotten my father out of bed, got him in the wheelchair, and got him out of the house quickly enough. And I think we all would have died. Wow. That's, you know, and like I said, it's not as if we weren't saying things and saying this is what's going on, but we're not getting responses. Mm -hmm. We just get a dead silence. Mm -hmm. Luckily it wasn't next door. It was three or four, three or four doors down. But that's so very of course, scary. Then you had three houses that went up in flames. So then I said, you know, of course that attracts people going in there and doing all kinds of things, drugs, prostitution, that type of thing, right in the middle of the block. And so I prevailed upon the city and we finally got those houses torn down and there are three vacant lots now. And that was, that was, you know, a multi-month process oh, over yeah. a year, Yeah. you know? So I don't want to sound like the crazy cat lady. I guess I'll stop there. <laughs> but basically I want to emphasize Russell is my home. Yes. That's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. And I'll make one more point. Instead of turning Russell 
actually, I've got a couple more points. You know, I was talking to someone who places people in housing, and he will not place any people in housing in my block because he says there are too many halfway houses. So basically, any time you have, and I think in our vicinity, we've got eight illegal halfway houses. When you put eight illegal halfway houses on one city block, you're killing that block, and you're not going to attract any families. You are killing that block. What it is is a transient population that's in and out in two weeks, in and out in four months, whatever. You don't have people that are putting down roots, building, Building raising children, that type of thing. I mean, this, the city has been focusing a lot of attention on redeveloping Russell, and this brings up an issue of potential gentrification, displacement of families like yours who have made Russell their home for, for generations in some cases. But, but the Land Development Code informs these kinds of processes, right? So that's why it's so important that we have racial justice and, and people's voices in this process of reform right and uh, i mean we're hearing some of the right things from the city they 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 want to redevelop this code with racial equity at the center are they saying the right things no 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 that says that this person is not supposed to be there yeah but the city refuses to enforce, to enforce. yeah and the thing that happens is if this were cherokee road instead of chestnut street the guy would not have been there yeah. four months. He may not have even been there four minutes, but the, the residents have had to deal with this wow. for four years and it's ongoing and we cannot get any sufficient responses as to why the code is not being enforced except, well, we only have two people. Well, if you only have two people, I'm guessing they could have gotten around within four years, I'm guessing, <laughs> but I could be wrong about that. Yeah. And I totally disagree that the code uh, addresses racial equity. I feel like that is something that a lot of cities, not just Louisville, but, uh, you know, are are kind of grasping at and, and stretching a lot, right? Um, it, it's under the lens of racial equity. And they even went as far as posting the historical references of this city in regards to redlining and... Yes, I see uh, on the website, right? So they created this little uh, story map, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it has nothing in in my opinion, and in, in in a lot of the coalition uh, citizens uh, members agree. But it has nothing to do with racial equity at all. So one thing that I've just I'm not naive, but I, I try to believe that you know when people say they're trying to do something good. Um, when change is coming about, um, that I want to believe in the positive, right? I want I want to believe that things are changing for the better, but but gosh, I just can't see it here at all, like at all. So no, no, the, lady, I'm the sorry. current reform does not address racial equity at all. And when we're asking that question, how does this address <clears throat> equity? Number one, and then racial equity, there are like they're like robots saying the same little mm. mantra line over and over and over. Right. Mm. I, you know, and I feel like people have to make up their own mind about that, but I definitely do not agree that it addresses racial equity at all. You know, and that, that reminds me of my, uh, my other point that I was going to make. Russell is a historic neighborhood. I have the information 
where they were uh, filed to make Russell a historic neighborhood back in the 1980s. Somehow it never happened. I'm not sure why. But let me tell you, on my street, instead of turning Russell into halfway house haven, it should be civil rights stroll or civil rights alley. You know, first of all, let me tell you some of the history on my street. My father trained a Tuskegee Airman Mm. right there at Fort Knox during World War II. Two doors down from me was a business owner on Walnut Street, which was a black business district until the city came and destroyed that. Up the street, you've got the Western Branch Library, which was the first library for African-Americans in the whole United States. You've got Quinn Chapel there, where uh, Martin Luther King's brother preached. Uh, you've got 10th and Chestnut Y, which also store. You That should be Civil Rights Alley. Right. The city ought to be preserving that information. They ought to be preserving these sites instead of destroying them. And let me tell you, some of the people that lived on Chestnut Street, besides my father, we had Samuel Plato. He was a black architect. He lived right there on Chestnut Street. May Street Kid, one of the first yes. African-American legislators, lived right there on Chestnut Street. My father had a business on Chestnut Street. Back in the 40s, uh, the first black uh, doorman at the Brown Hotel lived right there on Chestnut Street. And if you put that in historical perspective, that was a big job for a black sure. man to have back in the 1940s. You know, that was a big job. So instead of trying to destroy the history or trying to wipe it away, we ought to be preserving it. We ought to be embracing the residents, the people who have been there for decades and who care about the neighborhood. And that's one another thing. People come from out of town. They don't care. You know, this guy, well, the person next door is not a Louisvillian. OK, mm. he came from somewhere else. And I won't I won't say where he is. And the people that go there. I mean, the majority of them are Louisvillians. They go, they come from somewhere to do in my neighborhood what they can't do in their neighborhood. Mm. And see, that's what really bothers me. Mm. They let things go on in my neighborhood that they wouldn't let go on anywhere else in Jefferson County. So my whole thing is, if it's not good enough for your neighborhood, it's not good enough for my neighborhood. And people seem to have a great amount of comfort having all these things go on in my neighborhood that they would not let go on next door to them. So, you know, they're the champions and all that when it's out of sight, out of mind, Mm. and I have to deal with it. But if, but let me tell you, there's nothing like that going on in their neighborhood. And Russell is getting the short end of the stick just consistently and continually and i see an element of racism in that that's what i see because my white my white friends are not going through this they are not going through what i'm going through and you know people say well why don't you just move it's my home why (laughs) should i move (laughs) you know i talked about some of those civil rights icons (laughs) i knew those civil rights icons personally as a child you know and so the people coming in from wherever you know they don't know. They don't care. All they see is black people. And, you know, they will go on national TV and say my neighborhood is a bad neighborhood. Well, you know what? They brought some of that with them. You know, they don't know the history of the neighborhood. I know the history of the neighborhood. And my roots are deep. 
Sorry for my rant there. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm speaking today with uh, three activists who are working with the newly formed Citizens Coalition for Land Development Code Reform. Uh, You just heard from Catherine in the Russell neighborhood. We also have on the line with us Lisa Santos from Irish Hill and Letitia Marshall from down in Shively. Uh, We are talking about this process that the city's undergoing and citizens are trying to have a voice in. Uh, You can learn more about it at louisvilleky.gov slash LDC reform. But as our guests say, you might not just want to take the city's line on this, right? Um, Are you all putting together uh, any online presence or or social media if people want to get involved? Uh, How would they connect with you all? Yeah, um, so we have a Facebook page uh, called the Citizens Coalition for Land Development Code Reform uh, (laughs) Louisville. And we're, we're actually trying to get the Instagram up this week, but we also have a Twitter and we're oh, wow. actually trying to hold uh, community conversations. We've done, this is our second one that we've done. We'll be doing another one on Tuesday, the, is it the 16th, next Tuesday, fun Tuesday, the 16th at 5.30 PM. So if you just uh, find the Facebook group, th- there's a link there. Uh, that we're sharing and we're also looking for people like Miss Catherine that has you know stories we yeah. want to hear those stories and the coalition isn't like a defined like elite club right we, we're just all on the same level here just trying to make sense of what's going on and trying to do something about it too okay and so if you are not a part of the coalition you can join there's no membership fee or anything we just want you to come to the meetings and be a part of what's going on we do meet regularly every every week for like a couple of hours. It, it's just, it's just what it is. It turns into an hour and a half, two hour long meeting. And of course you don't have to stay all the time, but we have really, what, Lisa, how long have we been meeting? Like since maybe November. Yeah. Wow. Something like October, November. November. And then like every week for a couple of hours. So a lot of time that we spent together uh, going back and forth and trying to figure out what to do and how to engage the city uh, the best we can to voice our, our, our concerns. Um, the email address, do you have that on you, uh, Justin? No, hit me up. So I will, I will send it to you. Okay. But it's pretty much, it's the Citizens Coalition for LDC Reform at uh, Google. It's kind of long. I'll, 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 I'll send that to you. And then, yeah, it's kind of yeah, long. I'll put that um, in I'll our show notes. I'll send that to you, though. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, People will be able to find it at fordradio.org yeah, 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 yeah. in the um, show notes for this program. Yeah, but the quickest way is just a Facebook group. Yeah, I'll put the link to the Facebook group there as well. Okay, um, perfect. And we're not, we, you know, we're not, um, like, we're going through each, there's three phases, and I think that in the first phase, they're releasing six things, and then we get down and study on it, and we... Uh, gave our are going to give our opinion on on all six and i think you know four of them maybe had no comment or maybe had some additional comment as far as environmental justice or expansion of city gardens and Letitia would know more about that and then mainly we're looking for places where we think that that people do need to say something it doesn't need to be streamlined Mm. you know so we're not just throwing out everything, but we're a little concerned that we're always, you know, Louisville's always comparing themselves to other places and chasing the new. And I understand how you would look for best management practices in other cities, but all of our neighborhoods are different and it all doesn't fit all across the board. And I mean, we were chasing the new when we did urban renewal Oh yeah, and, and shut down a whole 
row of African-American businesses on Chestnut Street. You know, that was like everybody says that they got like the next big thing. And we don't think that there's anything wrong with asking some questions. And then that's really the goal of our group. Well, let's talk a little bit about urban agriculture and environmental issues that are related to this, because, I mean, the Land Development Code determines things like, you know, tree planting and tree canopy, which has been declining, and our carbon footprint is our city, and heat island effect, right? Uh, and it also impacts what people can grow where, right, Letitia? Yes. Yeah, that's that's totally true. And um, I didn't I was I'm not a Louisvillian native. OK, I'm not a native of Louisville, but I've been here since 2004 Got me um, when I came to school. To college. Yeah. And, um, so so I consider myself, you know, I'm, I'm like, right. There, can, can I be a Louisvillian? Miss Catherine, can, I, can, can I be there? Um, <laughs> but but. You know, I feel this is my home. I have made it my home and I do care. I'm raising a family here. Yeah. And I, and I, gosh, again, I'm learning the city. I'm learning a lot about this city that I didn't know. And one of the things is about the tree canopy. I'm not, and I don't mean this in any, like, I'm just going to say it, but I don't mean it the way it sounds. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not a tree hugger. <laughs> Yikes. Well, that sound horrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> however, I, 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 it's important that we have trees, right? Yeah, right. Um, and it seems like Southwest Louisville, more so in the West End, um, gosh, there's practically no trees compared to the rest of the city. And, and then we want to concrete everything, right? Because mm, <laughs> mm. if you develop here, that includes a structure. And so we have the conversation about more parking lots. Yeah, the parking minimums, yeah. And good grief, we are killing the environment and we're killing ourselves slowly but surely over time, right? And so like, it may not seem like a big deal, but we need to plant more trees. We have to, and not these little twigs. (laughs) I get the city to quit planting little twigs. Yeah. yeah, I let them take out big trees and put in little sticks. Like that's yes, like that's exactly what just, it is. A little just clear the lot. Just a little toothpick. That's what they put me in. A toothpick. Well, you know that brings up the issue of environmental racism and environmental justice. Yes, ma'am. It has been documented which zip codes where you had the longest life. And the zip codes where you have the shortest life. Yeah. And you, it's drawn around racial lines. And folks, they used to always say, well, black people drink too much. Black people <laughs> eat too much salt pork. Blame black the Black people smoke too much. <laughs> That's not the case, folks. That is not the case. As I said, I grew up right there in Russell. And they used to dump those fumes from the neoprene plant into the air and it's summer i could 10 o'clock at night i could smell the neoprene in the air oh wow yeah that's what i'm saying systemic racism okay and we were already as black people redlined into that neighborhood okay and i'll you know like i said i try to eat right i try to exercise and all that but myself and my friends have had all kinds of cancers that have developed in their 50s. Was it because that I did something wrong? You know, did I, you know, like I said, did I eat too much salt? I don't smoke, I don't don't run around. No, it was because of the environment 
that was placed yeah. upon me. Yeah. Okay. And the whole thing is, um, the whole thing about victim blaming, no, you know, black people aren't lazy. No, black people don't have bad diets. No, black people, no, this is being put upon us. It's being brought to us. We are not doing this to ourselves. And my experience, when I speak up about it, I get no responses and I get no help. Mm. Yeah, to me, it's like thinking of certain areas of our city neighborhoods as sacrifice zones is like, well, it's too bad about this pollution, but we need jobs or, or we need development. So, well, I guess some people are going to have to suffer. I mean, well, what kind of way of thinking is that? That's exactly what I think is having, you know, people all the time. Well, I want to start a halfway house in the West End of Louisville. Yeah. Well, why don't you start it in the Highlands? <laughs> you know? Why do you want to come to my neighborhood to do that? Yeah. And the other footnote to that is, do you know that they've actually relax the air emission standards so that the air can be even more polluted right in it wasn't bad enough <laughs> and and do you recall when they were trying to put a methane plant in a residential area in the west end of louisville that's systemic racism russell always has to fight fights that no one else has to fight right and that's not that's not right. Mm -hmm. That's not right. And my father got to be in his 90s and 98. At some point, people age out and they can't fight. So I'm the next generation fighting. And like I said, you know, I'm not getting any support. There are a lot of good people. And there's another point. The residents are on the side of the law. They're doing the right thing. The people who are doing the right thing, they're the ones that are getting supported. Now, that's upside down. That is upside down. The city, the citizens have done the right thing. They've gone through the process. They've done everything right. This other, these other people haven't. They've just come and squatted. That wouldn't happen anywhere else in Louisville. You can't just come and squat and hope for the best. Well, and it seems crazy to me to chase that that mighty dollar from by the city's perspective over all the other considerations, everything else that makes our city livable and, and attracts people to the city, right? It's it's not just like any any dirty money is good money, right? Like there's certain certain businesses and industries that maybe we should say no to. <laughs> That's in my opinion. Definitely. <laughs> and and back to the agricultural piece, uh like in, in environmental justice, I mean like it's not, there are cities paying people. Do y'all know this? There are cities paying people to plant pollinated gardens in their, on their property. No. Okay. Uh, but we too stingy here. We, I don't see that happening in yeah. <laughs> At all. They, they stingy. No, we'll uh, give you a fine. Me. Okay, you don't even have to pay me, but but you know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. Like, it's not just about the trees. Yes, the trees are important, but gosh, if we just planted more flowers that attracted the bees and the butterflies. And that fed the hummingbirds, you know, those, th these things matter. I'm a, I'm a grower farmer and to grow my food, I have to have the bees and the butterflies and, and all kinds of different critters because they help grow my food. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they pollinate my, the, the flowers, right? The, uh, tomatoes come from a flower. Okay. And so the, I have to have them to help me. I mean, I can go around and hand pollinate. There is such thing as hand pollinate. But y'all know how long it takes? Okay, I'm gonna let the little bees do that. Okay, because that's what they're designed to do. And I feel like we 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 are just abusing what we've been given 
by whatever higher power you believe in mm. and we're paying for it hashtag climate change i said it okay and so we we've got to figure this out we've got to figure it out and the mighty dollar uh we're not going to be chasing long because you're going to be dead mm-hmm. so so i feel like sometimes we have to make a choice we have to make a choice are we going to <laughs> stand for what is right or are we not i mean bottom line bottom line putting more houses together on a lot closer together may not be the best option yeah putting more um parking lots in you know oh. we, we talked about all this stuff it's it may not be the best option and it definitely isn't the best option for all neighborhoods that's one of the things that attracted me to louisville was that it was made up of urban suburban and rural like a metro is a, is a combination of i can go 15 minutes down the road and experience a completely that's different right environment or five or five miles down the road Shively's and cool it's that way, a completely yeah. different view of mm-hmm. the city and that is gorgeous to me i love that mm-hmm. but but because we're so focused as a um as a city on money and revenue um you know we're, we're slowly losing sight of the big picture here yeah well we're we're getting towards the end of our show and I, I definitely wanted to spend t- some time talking about uh, what is community and, and what does it mean to build or rebuild a community here in Louisville? And then, you know, what is the role of the city in that? Does the city need to step away completely or, or does the city have a role? It just hasn't been, you know, appropriately acting in that way. What do y'all think about that, about building community? Well, you have to honor the families that have already built the community, that have been there for generations. I agree. And you don't replace families with transients that are in and out in two weeks, who have no roots, who have no interest in the community, who will come into the community and disparage the community and the residents you don't bring in people who have no idea of the community they're living in except the color of the skin of the people that live there Mm. community is all about families Mm -hmm. and raising families and raising your children there which is what my family did my parents my father got out of world war ii my mother and he bought that house and they raised my brother and myself there my brother my mother and my father died there and I'm still there holding down the homestead, mm-hmm. despite all of the discouragement and lack of support I get from the city of Louisville. Mm. And I don't understand why they don't appreciate all of the history that is right there in my neighborhood. But I see its history repeating itself when they destroyed the black business district. And now they're trying to wipe out all the black history right there on Chestnut Street. There's something wrong there. Why is my history not important? Mm. I submit that it is. And I'm fighting for it to be honored and to be preserved like anyone else's history. I'm not interested in having the black business district. I'm not interested in that scenario once again. I'm the second generation going through the same things my parents went through. There's something wrong with that. Why have we not learned our lessons? Mm. Excellently stated. Lisa, what do you think about uh, building community in your neighborhood and the city's role in it? I think in, in some instances, you know, some people 
will stay and be the neighborhood. And then some people are just passing through, you know, they're, you know, they're there for a minute and then they're gone. But I, I, I just think that um, the city um, uh, taking into account and making people take into account if we have a neighborhood plan that we have already set forth of what we want our neighborhood to be. Uh, I think that that's important. I, I think that they need to, oftentimes we felt like we weren't answered, you know, with our questions about things, but I, I think preservation of what we have, I, we're not against change, but um, I don't think they should throw us the baby out with the bathwater. Um, uh, we, you know, we built this and then, and we're, we're what makes it a neighborhood. Yeah, I like that point. And and historic preservation is is that there's a whole set of rules about that too. Is that part? Yeah, we we talk about that a lot okay. because uh, several of us have like active historic preservation uh, cases going to Metro that they have routinely uh, turned overturned. Mm. And so you're like, why are why are we doing this? Mm. You know. You know, if you buy a historic property in a neighborhood that is the neighborhood, that that's their space, not just that it had history a long time ago. This is our space now. You know, it means a lot. It means something to us about our sense of place. And um, uh, yeah, we're, we're very concerned about that. Yeah. And Letitia, what about the role of green space and food in building community? Um, yeah, so it does. <laughs> it's not just another, uh, you know, mess that we're trying to create here or <laughs> um, unsightly <laughs> stuff, okay? Because that's, that's what we hear all the time. Oh, you're, the grass is too tall over here, so we're going <laughs> to cite you for that. Um, I don't like the way your plants look in the in, in the grow box, so we're going to cite you for that. Oh, like, it's, man. it's ridiculous. It's, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, growing food does build community. Um, gosh, I, I can remember as a child, you know, <laughs> just how we were raised. You know, one person had the ham, one person had the green beans, the other people grew the corn, and, you know, there was a watermelon or two, mm. and then, mm. you know, and then somebody else had the squash, and we came together and had a meal. There you go. And every time I think about community uh in 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 relation to agriculture that's what i think about or or taking care of each other as a community uh we fed each other um that that was the, a hug and a, and a and a plate of food was it fixes almost everything right and it brings a lot of people together it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are where you come from what you look like food brings people together it can heal you literally um, we don't have to have the conversation about pharmaceuticals. I'm not against it, but I'm just saying there are other ways that we can heal ourselves. It can it can heal you spiritually mm. to have a well, garden. It, you don't have to. Uh, we know that the Western Louisville is a food desert yeah. for fresh. Yes, ma'am, and Shively included. Yep. Um, yep. And they just closed our last grocery store, so mm. there's nowhere we can buy fresh produce. Um, and it's not about buying chips and soda. Um, I wish people would stop thinking that it's not. A, well, y'all got little corner stores. Yes, we do. And it's not, yes, it's not and liquor stores, stores and Dollar Trees and Dollar Generals. 
you can you get greens can yeah. you get a squash can you get a potato there no ma'am no sir so so again you know um community can form it can be developed it can be sustained um through agriculture through growing food and um and shively is a little unique right because it's one of the independent cities in louisville so we don't necessarily um do everything that louisville metro says like our ordinances and, and regulation and things like that doesn't necessarily involve louisville metro but shively could adopt any anything uh that louisville metro throws out and I, I do want to kind of shout us out a little bit because our mayor is 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 definitely trying to has been for a long time, but it seems like things are moving along um, to make sure that people know the history of Shively. Um, the first thing I heard was Lively Shively, okay, <laughs> and everybody wants to talk about Lively Shively, and and I'm like, but what about the the Waden family and Ann Braden and her family? Yeah. Do you know anything about that? You know, do you know how white people and black people work together to create change in Shively? Wow, yeah. When Shively used to be full, it was a it was a white community, right? And the Ann Braden and her husband, um, and the Wadens create created some myths, okay, and they knew there was gonna be myths, <laughs> but it was myths in the best way. Good do y'all trouble, know about right? that? Mm -hmm. And so, you know. Gosh, it, it, you have to know your history in order to create community. Um, and I think when we when we learn to appreciate it more, we build our communities more, right? Letitia, does Shively have its own land development code, or or is the fight Actually, you're in? No, yeah, I know, right? So I was when I got involved with these crazy people <laughs> called the Citizens Coalition for Land Development Cover Form. I was like, let me ask some questions because I didn't know, <laughs> and and not necessarily. They, my my conversation, um, the conversation, uh, the, this lady told me at City Hall that. Uh, for the first time in a very long time, Louisville Metro has invited independent cities oh. to the table um, to talk. But no, um, I think uh, Shively is is coming around on a lot of things. And I, and, and I think it's just people coming together again, asking questions. We have to ask questions. And so they're like, maybe we should engage a little bit more in what's going on. Uh, but no, not to my knowledge. There's mm. no land development code. Mm. Uh, but there are, of course, ordinances, right? And, right. and things we have to do. But they're pretty forgiving around here. And that's, <laughs> I love that about Shively. Because, honey, if they looked at my front yard right now, right? <laughs> trying, to, trying to lay cardboard in these garden beds. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty, it's pretty neat to be in Shively. Despite the you know, the pun sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what you all have brought up in terms of food apartheid in our city, in, in, in terms yes. of loss of tree canopy, I mean, these are such fundamental things to what makes Louisville either great or terrible. And, and so figuring out a citizen's voice in this process, I really want to honor you guys for working on that because I know it's daunting, <laughs> but I think it's so important. So I guess we're as we move towards a wrap, I, I, I wonder if y'all could reflect on how you're feeling in this moment with this process. Are you just on fire organizing, see what you can do, or are you, are you seeing a path forward at this point? 
Is it too early to tell? Oh, uh, I see. No, I do see. It. I mean, you know, more and more people are, are interested and a lot of people that, that, you know, that may have started to drink the Kool-Aid or thinking maybe they <laughs> should just stop and think. Um, and then it just turned out to be, I mean, I'm like Letitia. I fell in with these people that had all these great, compelling stories like Catherine's and, and, and that understood where I was coming from when, when I had to, to try to, you know, maneuver my way around the bureaucracy. And, um, no, I've, I feel really positive about it. Um, I mean, but not everybody does, <laughs> but, um, you know, I couldn't keep going unless I lied to myself like that. <laughs> well, I just feel like I'm the second generation going through what my parents went through. Right. And I'm wondering, have we learned anything in the past 75 years? And of course, with what's going on in Louisville, we know that we are treading some of the same water. And then you have to ask your have to ask yourself, is this making Louisville better or is it making Louisville worse? Mm. And the whole thing is now with social media, what's happening in Louisville, you know, can't what happens in Vegas doesn't just stay in Vegas anymore. It's all over the world. So when you had the Breonna Taylor and all of the all of the things surrounding that. When I heard uh, Brianna Taylor's mother's attorney speaking on BBC, British, Broadcast, British Broadcasting Company, I said, you know, this is not a family conversation anymore. We don't have the luxury of looking that way before the whole world. You know, we need to put our best foot forward. We need to do our best for everyone, for all of our citizens, no matter where they live. And there are no throwaway communities. My community is not a throwaway community. Right. And like I said, with social media, there are no more secrets. Mm -hmm. There are no, back in the 60s, you know, maybe you would get pictures and the pictures were pretty compelling. Now you can get live feeds and that's going all over the world, folks. Louisville has to step up to the plate or we're going to lose whatever cachet we once had. Yeah. Well, I really want to honor you all for doing this important work. Uh, one last time, let's invite our listeners to join the conversation on Tuesday, right? March 16th uh, at 5.30 p.m. Uh, it'll be on Zoom, so you can join us from anywhere you can get an Internet signal. And I'll post the link to that Zoom meeting up in our uh, program description for this program at forwardradio.org if people aren't, are struggling to find it at the Citizens Coalition for LDC Reform on Facebook. Uh, anything else you want to say? What, what's this conversation going to be like on Tuesday? Yeah, um, we just want to hear from you. We want to know your stories. You we go. want to know what's going on, what your thoughts are. Um, less talking about what we've done as a coalition, uh, because again, you can, you can come to those meetings uh, weekly. They're open to everyone. Uh, we do, we just want to gather, uh, we really want to control the narrative here. There are already things in the media that are saying the coalition believes this and the coalition believes <laughs> that. Well, um, I, I would encourage you uh, and charge you to come find out for yourself. Okay. Uh, everyone in the coalition doesn't agree on everything. 
Okay. Uh, we're not necessarily even saying that the recommendations that we're releasing that every 100% of all members agree mm. on the same thing. Mm. Okay. Um, or that we are strongly for or in support of what the city has released. There are some people that feel that way in the group, but not all people. Again, we all have our own thoughts and feelings and, and about what's going on. So I think it's a group for everyone. So please, 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 if you are just like, have a little inkling of curiosity, join us, join us and find out for yourself what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, we definitely want to hear from you on Tuesday at 530. Man, if that if Letitia can't get you out, I don't know what can. Right? This is a great it's sexy. Okay, if you want to bring your sexy back, come on and join the, the development co coalition. Come on out. Oh. Okay. Man, I, I love you, Letitia. You're so amazing. Uh, we are all out of time, unfortunately. This has been really eye-opening and great. Uh, thank you for your work with the Citizens Coalition for LDC Reform, working on the Land Development Code here in Louisville. You just heard from Letitia Marshall and Shively, Catherine and Russell, and Lisa Santos and Irish Hill. Thank you all so much. Keep up the good fight, all right? Thank you all Thank so you, much. Justin. Thank you so much. All thank right. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Letitia. Yeah, y'all. Good Thanks, Thanks for doing this. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Lots of great stuff coming up on Ford Radio, and we'll be back in your ears again here on Truth to Power in one week's time. Se la pasa toda la noche moliendo café.